today on Ag News Daily. And then the greatest thing that probably happened here in our local community was, you know, 20 years ago when the ethanol industry started. Happy Friday, everybody. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Tanner Delaney here on, uh, what are we today? April 14th already, Delaney. Yeah, remember, because you said yesterday, we're lucky we didn't have April, the Friday, the April 13th. That's correct. But I did look ahead into the calendar and uh, we should definitely prepare something fun for Friday, May 5th. Yes, you can um, sing a song or do some sort of dance with the cord or. uh, I was just thinking margaritas for breakfast. Oh, that would be good too. Yeah. So something to look forward to coming up in May. Or we could talk about. Are you, just, the, are you now clicking through like all the Fridays to try and find another cool Friday? No, 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 no. Oh. I'm just thinking about <laughs> some of the topics we could talk about because here's one that's kind of an interesting yet bizarre headline, Tanner. Um, Mexico is now doing a deep dive into how the ban on genetically modified corn could impact tortillas amid the trade dispute. They said on Monday that they have a working group that will investigate the impact of genetically modified corn imports on the country's tortillas, which is, of course, a national staple, Tanner. The, this comes after the United States has requested formal trade consultations with Mexico. And it'll be interesting to see what Mexico finds, because I'm assuming a lot of those tortillas are going to be coming from GM corn. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> a little bit of a bizarre headline to start off on Friday, but I love it. Let's get uh, our weather out of the way. It looks like at least for today, we're still going to be dry with strong winds, but a lot of people in those red flag warnings. Of course, there is uh, potential for rain here in our area tomorrow. Uh, of course, there's already some fires burning, which we will keep an eye on as well. But our friends in Fort Lauderdale, have a monumental flood issue. They have a one in 1,000 year rain event last week, and there's more rain along their way. The Southern Florida area, including surrounding communities of Fort Lauderdale, are closing schools, government buildings, and seeing hundreds of residents seeking refuge at emergency shelters as their historic rain volume exceeded two feet. The coastal city has now been shut down. Uh, So has the Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International Airport. Uh, Never before has this happened uh, against the once in a thousand year rain event. Historic rainfall happened over that territory for 36 hours and ended yesterday. Uh, Of course, that's going to continue to cause a lot of issues. It's kind of interesting when you look at this picture of the airport and you see cars literally flooded in the airport parking lot. But the last little piece of weather I've got comes from uh, AgWeb. And uh, Tyne had had a conversation with Drew Lerner of World Weather. The reason I put all those places for citing into this is there could be a chance for a crop altering freeze coming yet. So he is, Drew's been monitoring a 62-day cycle the last of the 62-day cycle uh, hit February 20th. 
So if you count 62 days out from February 20th, you could see something between uh, next week, Friday, and the following Friday after that. So maybe some unusual cold is headed our direction. Uh, obviously, it's really up for debate is the exact quote that Lerner says. He says the models have not consistently defined the cold and where that will be. But when I look at the map, it's definitely circled over Minnesota. So if there's some early planted and early emerged crops in the upper Midwest, it could be subject to a potential freeze. So go take a look for yourselves and uh, see what Mr. Lerner has to say with his models. Well, Tanner, even though we've seen hotter and drier conditions in South America, the Buenos Aires Grain Exchange released their latest estimate for the Argentine soybean and corn crop this week and didn't change estimates really. They kept soybeans at 25 million metric tons and 36 million metric tons respectively for corn, but the exchange warned that they could make further cuts to production if yields continue to come in lower than expected. They also provided the latest crop conditions ratings and the Argentine soybean crop is only rated 3% good to excellent, down one percentage point from last week, 32% fair and 65% poor to very poor conditions. So all in all, things it sounds like are getting just slightly worse as we continue moving forward here. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. The old adage of a big crop can only get mm -hmm. bigger. Uh, maybe a trending downward crop can only continue to trend further downward. So we'll continue to keep an eye on that one. I debated Delaney on reporting on this next headline, but it fits well with the conversation we had yesterday about Colorado and their right to repair laws. The reason I hesitated is the survey results put out by the USPIRG Education Fund and the National Farmers Union only surveyed 53 farmers. So I want to put, us, you know, put that here at the beginning of this conversation. These 53 farmers were across 14 different states, but the survey stated that a farmer was losing on average $3,348 per year due to repair downtime and restrictions because equipment makers were limiting the ability to fix tractors at the hands of the farmer. When you compile these 53 answers and you multiply it by the number of producers in the United States, that's more than $3 billion a year in lost productivity. The cost of labor parts has risen. Obviously, all of our listeners know that, which puts an increasing strain on farms when it comes to repair costs. So they're looking to provide this data to the U.S. Department of Agriculture to show that repair costs are one of those that could be altered to help producers in the future. So the U.S. PIRG Education Fund is looking to introduce legislation in 15 additional states as they cited success as their part of working with the Colorado legislature earlier this week. So I wanted to provide that back story as to the connection to where the data is coming from. Just a little personally disappointed on the size of the sample group. And hopefully they continue to get more opinions to broaden, broaden that group of influence. Yeah. And for anyone curious, because I was wondering what that acronym meant, it's the Public Interest Research Group. Pretty generic, Tanner. Oh, yes. Thank you. Uh -huh. <laughs> Nothing's, nothing ag related. It sounds like it's just pretty a general research group. But in that same vein here, 
we got the latest equipment sales from the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. And largely the results showed that sales for combine harvested harvesters maintained consistent growth in March, while tractor sales continued to slide. As you look at tractor sales for March total, they were down about 12% compared to 2022. And as you look at combine sales on the other side, they were up 47% in the month of March compared to 2022 numbers, Tanner. So all in all, sell about 509 new combine sales and not necessarily new as in new equipment, but new to the owner sales compared to just 346 this time last year. So some of that I'm sure could be supply chain. Some of that could just be where you're at in your churn with equipment and depreciation and all that good stuff. They didn't add much insight into which factor really was playing out here. So correct. Most of the time, those are just data, data driven releases. Uh, I wanted to provide an update, of course, a national headline, not directly tied to agriculture in the United States, but definitely to what farmers may experience in Ukraine due to the leaked uh, FBI documents, uh, the leaked classified documents to be corrected. Attorney General Garland announced yesterday that a member of the Massachusetts Air Guard was arrested by the FBI in conjunction in connection to leaking those documents. The arrest of Jack Teixeira, age 21, followed a fast moving investigation. Turns out, Delaney, that Teixeira was uh, arrested without incident and will be arraigned uh, in a federal court there for the investigation that is ongoing. But these documents were released through a video game platform. He was uh, a character, if you want to say it as that, uh, on a platform and began leaking pieces to his team members as he had clearance in his position. So there's a large number of people that have access to these documents. And now investigators are continuing to monitor everybody at the same security rank as this gentleman to continue to survey what is potentially at risk. The most damning information that comes out of this is positions of intelligence for Ukrainian military in their battle with Russia. So there's been immediate changes like we reported on earlier this week of Ukrainian front and tactics being altered to make this uh, incident less offensive. So. Uh, we'll continue to keep an eye on this story, but just thought that was a good update to provide our listeners as to not only who, as far as that goes, but how uh, these classified documents were leaked. And it certainly seems uh, not traditional, but then again, you got to keep your eye on everything. Yeah. And just a quick other update here related to uh, Ukraine. I thought this was interesting, but they released some of their 2022 um, economy numbers and Ukraine's gross domestic product or GDP fell by 29 percent, Tanner, in 2022. Um, that was slightly better than what the government was forecasting, which was pegged at 30 percent, but still not a great number when you look at that all in all. Yeah, that's uh, that's not the last little quick headline I've got for today. It's stating here that the Budweiser Clydesdales will have a less busy schedule this year. Of course, this comes as uh, consumer fallout over a recent marketing campaign uh, with a activist, Dylan Mulvaney, 
the beer company Anheuser-Busch is reacting to the criticism and increasing problems as their stock price continues to drop. Due to this, the Clydesdale horses, which are used to making public appearances, including opening day at the Cardinals Bush Stadium, obviously that's already passed, plus Super Bowl ads, as well as other fairs, will no longer be on a rich, uh, strenuous grind of public appearances. The Anheuser-Busch team has stated that uh, the horses will not be retired. They will still make their appearances in small amounts, but they will be calculated and within crowds in which they feel the animals would still be safe. So it sounds like Delaney, there's fear of maybe activists causing harm to the animals, the horses themselves. So Anheuser-Busch is treading very lightly as they look to battle not only a PR movement, but also one that might cause harm to their assets, such as their horses. I think you did a great job treading lately through that story, Tanner, because I know this is a very contentious issue for people right now. Absolutely. Reporting facts. That's right. Well, one other fact I have to report here is the meeting between Brazilian President Lula and President Xi Jinping of China has uh, been going on right now. They're meeting this week and Brazilian President Lula was greeted very warmly, it sounds like, by President Xi as they're working to continue to deepen their relationship. Chinese President Xi was quoted as saying by state media on Friday that they're working together to specifically look at deepening relationships for sectors, including agriculture, energy and infrastructure construction. So the two leaders also, it sounds like, discussed the Ukraine crisis Um, and agreed that that dialogue and negotiations are the only viable way out of the crisis. But sounds like they had a very good conversation, a very good few days together, Tanner. And that relationship is continuing to solidify as we see President Lula stepping back into office. Yeah, that's interesting because I think as you report on the markets, we may see a little reaction to potential speculation that China could be buying Mm -hmm. more crops. So how do things open up today? Yeah, especially buying more soybean crops. I think that's really where we're seeing it hit here this morning as the May soybean contract is down three and three quarters cents in the overnight at 1497. November new crop beans down eight and three quarter cents to open at 1303 in the corn markets here at the opening bell. May corn will be clocking in at 655 up two and three quarter cents in the overnight. The Dece down a penny and a half at 552. May hard red winter wheat will open a penny and a half higher at 846 and three quarters. And a quick reminder at where our livestock will be opening here this morning. June live cattle at a buck 6450. May feeders will open at 20780. And May lean hogs will open this morning at 79.95. Tanner, we're talking about international travels that uh, a good friend of the podcast, Bill Kowser, has been having and all the things he's been seeing lately in the world of agriculture. So let's turn it over to that conversation. today, where in the world is Bill Kowser? For those of you that uh, may not know Bill, he is a cattle and grain farmer in Nevada, Iowa, just outside of the Des Moines metro, a little ways north. But Bill, you have been on a lot of trips lately. I'm super jealous to learn about all of the cool agriculture you've gotten to see recently. Yeah, Delaney, we've really been lucky here the past actually nine months. You know, you and I were in Germany together for the Global Farmers Network and were inducted into that 
um, last uh, summer late. And then, um, you know, we've been to D.C. two or three times since then. And then um, I guess it was uh, in February uh, we went to um, uh, South America where we started with NCBA convention first. And then I went with a young lady to interview a Nuffield scholar in Chile. And from there, then you and I actually went to Argentina to our weekly Global Farmers Network, our yearly meeting. And after that, why a young man that I've known for a few years that's actually been to my place from Uruguay had called us and said, you know, as long as you're down here, why don't you jump in the pickup with me and we'll go back to my farm and ranch. So an amazing trip. We jump in a pickup in Argentina and we take off across the countryside with uh, two Nuffield scholars and a young man from uh, from um, New Zealand. So we spent three or four days in um, Uruguay with uh, Gabriel. And uh, then Summit Farms found out I was down there. And so uh, Bruce sent an airplane down and uh, picked me up. And we went up to Lucas, Brazil, and got to spend a week up there looking at the ethanol industry and see how prosperous it was and what was going on. And in between there, why we visited five or six cattle yards, which was amazing because every yard we'd visited, they had been to Iowa and been to our place. So it was a real thrill to be able to reconnect with some of those producers in South America. We get home and uh, pack to DC for a few days. And then uh, three of us, three couples of us, we travel someplace in the world. Uh, every year we went to Vietnam on an EF tour and what an amazing trip we saw. Um, I guess the main reason I went, I had a partner for 30 years that was there in 1968, was there for six months and then spent three years in a hospital. So it was always my plan to go back and see if I could find that path of his uh, last mission that he had there and, and the Purple Hearts that he had received. And, and to go to that country and see the agriculture and to see, to go from North Vietnam to South Vietnam to Cambodia, to Thailand and the culture, the people, the fishing, uh, actually getting to be able to, you know, plow a rice field behind a, a uh, an oxen and, um, you know, with no shoes on and plant rice and, you know, the many different things that agriculture brings there, but it's such a simple life, but everybody seems happy and and they're all growing food. And that's basically what the world's about. So, you know, we got home on Monday uh, here a few weeks ago, about midnight and noon the next day. I was in D.C. Um, with the Ace Fly-In Convention for Ethanol. So it's been a wonderful winter. Um, I, I, I guess I just thank God every day I wake up that I get to come back to Iowa and uh, the roots we have here and the, the blessings that we have here. Um, it's an amazing world we live in, but it's always nice to come back to a place you call home. Yeah, and I was obviously where you call home. So I'm sure a lot of our Iowa listeners are very familiar with you and your story and background. But Bill, tell us a little bit more about the Bill Kowser story. Well, I don't know really where you want to start with that. But, you know, I was very fortunate to be able to graduate from a Nevada school system here. And, uh, you know, I graduated from high school, went on the road with the 40 horse hitch for you know, almost 30 years we traveled the country and was able to see, you know, coast to coast and border to border, a lot of the big cities. Um, you know, farming, uh, working with my father, my son has now come back to the farm. And then the greatest thing that probably happened here in our local community was, you know, 20 years ago when the ethanol industry started. So 
you know, three or four of us got together. We founded an ethanol plant here, and we we look at what we've what we've been able to capture in uh, basically a, a local investment and have local investors, and to be able to keep that corn crop that we as farmers are growing here, and we've invested in the ethanol plant, and to be able to um, capture those dollars and keep them in our communities and and uh, the jobs that we've created. Why? Um, you know, I, th I think Iowa should be very proud of, of what's happened here and, and uh, you know, the path that we've been on. And I look at the, the, the group of people that have forged the ethanol industry and the distiller's grains industry that's come along with this. It's been nothing but grown. And, and you know, Delaney, I think the biggest challenge I have is I'm old enough. I think I'm still going to miss all the fun. There's so much more to come. There truly is. Well, and speaking of more to come, Bill, you have, uh, as you mentioned earlier, you became a Global Farmer Network member back in June of 2022, and you've formed a lot of relationships with farmers worldwide. You've got another big trip coming up here in June to see one of your favorite global farmers. Tell us a little bit more about that trip you've got on the docket. Well, a year ago, as you well know, when we were in Germany, a uh, uh, young lady, um, her name is Judith DeVore. She is a Nuffield scholar and she's a dairy. Uh, her family has a dairy in Holland. And we became really good friends as we all did in that group. It was amazing how 20 people from around the world can, can create a friendship in a week that's gonna last a lifetime. And uh, I received a phone call last summer from Judith that said, you know, we've got some real issues here in the Netherlands and in Holland, and I'd really like to come to Iowa. And it was part of her Nuffield scholar ship and uh, she said i'd like to spend a week with you and your family and understand how american agriculture works and basically when i say american agriculture how the associations support um it's kind of the network that we use that that help lobby for us in in local state and uh, national um items or concerns or challenges that we have so judith came um it was in um uh, last september last october and we hit, I mean, we hit the governor, we hit uh, uh, Secretary of Ag, um, all the associations, corn, cattle, pigs, uh, feathers. Um, and when she went back, she went back with a understanding of how all of a sudden the grassroots, grassroots support really helps support science that then is made into policy when it comes to state or government legislation, where in their country, they've their, their policy is not really science-based when they try to get it out. So all that being said then, she um, talked to um, basically you and I um, this last summer and, and invited us to come over uh, June 8th, and she is going to host her government officials at her dairy and um, on a one day, uh, might say educational trip. So as, as you Delaney, I, Nancy and I are really excited to be able to go over and spread the, the I guess the good news, um, as they say in the, in the Global Farmers Network, your two minute elevator speech um, to these, uh, the Dutch and the people in the Netherlands and see if we can bring some common sense and some knowledge to them to show them that, you know, what those dairy people over there are doing, it's not wrong. Um, it's just, they need to understand that the policies that they put in place today is really going to affect, um, the yield, uh, the output of the cows and their export of their country. 
So I think Delaney, you and I and Nancy have a real, really exciting trip coming, but it's going to be a real important trip to be able to help someone like uh, Judith and her family explain how, you know, what they're doing is right. And, and they're the ones that understand their land and, and the dairy. And all they need is just the government to let them farm and let them do the thing that's right. Their soil health or water quality. I mean, they are on top of the game. So Delaney, I'm just really looking forward to going to Holland. Yeah. And I mean, obviously you traveled a lot prior to joining the Global Farmer Network, but now that you get to interact with these farmers on more of a regular basis, how has it changed your perspective on global agriculture, Bill? Well, it's actually, I know we're headed to DC here the, the end of the month. And really when you go into DC now, or you go to your local state uh, legislature, you can really it gives you more confidence to stand there and tell your story. And I think that's the greatest thing that helps the Global Farmer Network is they teach you how to tell your story in a way that it's kind of one on one. People understand it. So many times when we hear that story, it, it we get into the weeds and, and we we kind of they glaze over and we kind of lose them. But when you can talk on a global perspective, um, I mean, like you and I have a friend that's from Kenya, Africa. Her name is Patience. You know, she farms 10 hectares and all she wants to do is grow some corn and get some pivot bio over there to help her. And so I met with the pivot bio people today to see how can we get patients some pivot bio because she does not have access to nitrogen. So it's really let us come back home and how can we help our fellow farmers in other parts of the world. Um, it, it's, I mean, what an opportunity we have because we really have all, all the tools here in our toolbox that we can use. And how do we make sure that we can share those tools around the world now so that they can just feed their people and stop this starvation that's going on? Well, Billy, appreciate your time sharing a little bit of some of the travels that you've had as of recently. Thanks again for joining us on the podcast. Thank you, Delaney. definitely a Briar conversation, especially for those that are envious of him and all of his travels. Appreciate him taking that time to talk with us. Yes, I'm certainly envious. Tanner, I was just uh, looking at my passport application as we were talking and I got to get that renewed here so I can continue my travels. Hey, that's perfect. Listeners, thanks for hanging out with us again this week. We'll be back next week to bring you more of the same great content. So don't be afraid to reach out on social media. But for today, what do you say? Should let the listeners go. Let's let them go. Thank you.